grace of Jesus. If you'd like a book, 814 to sing the repeats. Page number 814, wonderful grace of Jesus with a smile on your face. Come on now, let's get ready for church. Here we go. Wonderful grace of Jesus. great to have you here this morning. Good to see each and every one of you, and uh, it's great to sing about the wonderful grace of Jesus. And uh, it is wonderful, and uh, I'm thankful that He was willing to show His grace for me. I certainly didn't deserve it, and uh, of course none of us do. Um, but uh, glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. Looking forward to a good day in the house of God with you. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace that you have shown us. It is indeed wonderful, and it is indeed undeserved, um, but we are grateful for it. And thank you for how you showed us that grace um, on the cross of Calvary when you sent your Son to die for us, and we're thankful for that. Uh, thank you for the privilege of meeting together uh, today here in this place uh, with these people. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless our time of corporate worship. I pray, Lord, you'd be pleased and glorified and that uh, you would draw us closer to you and that you would also draw us closer to each other as a body of believers as a result of our time together. And we pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Uh, please remain standing as we sing our next song, It Is Well. We're going to sing all four verses of this song. Typically, 
we like to sing about three, but uh, we're going to sing all four verses because um, uh, it has to do with the message we're going to be covering this morning. And so uh, sing out this morning and uh, sing out about uh, the peace of God uh, that comes into our hearts through a relationship with the Lord. It is well. Page 417 in the songbook so you can get those repeats on the chorus because it sounds really good when everybody participates. Page 417, It Is Well With My Soul.
Oh, praise the Lord for that song and the truth of that song. Uh, praise the Lord. And uh, it can indeed be well with all of our souls. And if it's not well with your soul today, I hope that by the end of our time together, it will be well with your soul. Uh, memory verse for the month of August, Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. Does anybody have this memorized and would like to quote it this morning? We have anybody like that today? We do not that I can see. So let's go ahead and uh, quote it together here. Ready, begin. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. All right, great. And that verse uh, has to do with what we're going to be uh, covering today in our message. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you here in just a few moments. But uh, before we get there, I do want to cover a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first of all, tonight at 5 o'clock, uh, very important service as we have uh, Brother Jacob uh, Barant preaching for us. He has served as our intern all spring and summer long and has done a tremendous job and a tremendous blessing um, but uh, he's getting ready to head back to college this Wednesday morning. Uh, but before he does, we want to have him uh, preach for us one more time before he goes. Uh, he's preached for us uh, a couple times, uh, even during the COVID situation, and he's done quite a bit of speaking. Uh, he actually is, has the privilege of doing it three times today. He did Sunday school, junior church, and then evening, and I... He's like, it's going to be a big day today. And I said, yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> but, uh, but of course, I've been doing it a little longer. So anyway, uh, be here uh, tonight. I think that'll be an encouragement uh, to you. And then also for our church family, uh, we do have a very brief uh, church business meeting tonight uh, to vote on the next uh, financial secretary for our church. And uh, we've been announcing that for a little bit. We'll also vote on uh, the missionary we had here on Wednesday night, uh, whether to take them on for support. So um, we'll include that in that business meeting tonight. Um, and then I uh, do want to mention uh, Wednesday night, normal uh, midweek service, and I'm going to be continuing our series, Comfort in the Crisis, uh, a look at the different psalms, and uh, we'll be covering uh, Psalm 136. And uh, for those, well, I'll just leave it there and uh, let you look it up. And uh, there's a theme that goes throughout that psalm, and I'll let you look it up. and uh, Or you can just come on Wednesday night and hear about it too. Uh, but uh, then the children will be having uh, their service, and then we'll have all the teens in here as well on Wednesday night. So just a heads up on that for the teens. Then this coming Sunday, a week from today, uh, we'll be it's the fifth Sunday, so we'll be having a fellowship meal after the morning service. And uh, we'll be having uh, basically hamburgers and prepackaged chips and all that stuff. A lot of it will all be prepackaged and, and uh, prepared and all of that uh, beforehand. And so uh, just a little heads up on that. Do want to invite you to be here for that, and it'll be a great time. The teens will be serving uh, that meal, and uh, so that'll be an encouragement to see the teenagers out there uh, serving the Lord and serving us, and that'll be a good time. And then uh, no evening service next Sunday. Uh, just a little heads up about that. Uh, typically on the fifth Sunday, we do not have an evening service. So I uh, just want to make you aware of that. Then uh, the other thing in the bulletin uh, tonight or today I want to mention is our men and ladies Bible study is going to kind of kick back up again. 
uh, starting not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, which is September 2nd. And uh, we have our, the men usually meet in here and the ladies meet in the uh, fellowship hall. Uh, we actually only did two of these before we had to break for COVID. Uh, but uh, we're going to start these back up again. Uh, for those who need a book, we have uh, our Bible study books for the ladies out on the table today. The men's are on their way. They should be here Wednesday night. And so you can pick one up either Wednesday night or next Sunday. Um, and uh, the men, uh, if you can find your book, uh, please read chapter 2 in preparation for that. And then ladies, uh, please read chapter 3 in preparation for that. Um, and then a couple of things. Uh, one thing I want to mention that's not uh, listed here in the upcoming events, it's September 18 and 19. It's a Friday, Saturday. We're going to be having a teen garage sale to uh, as a fundraiser for the, the teenagers. And so if you have things in your garage or in your home that you kind of want to get rid of, uh, then uh, we want to mention if you donate that to the church, then that everything, all the proceeds will go to the teenagers, and they'll be uh, doing that on September 18 and 19. So just want to heads up, give you a heads up on that. And then the other thing I want to mention is a, a prayer request, very special prayer request uh, to our church family, and that is uh, Connie Fannin uh, found out this past week that uh, she has cancer. And so we want to be praying for her and Doyle as they go through this season. Uh, some of you may already know this, but um, I just want to have a special time of prayer uh, right now in the service for Connie. Um, she has a uh, MRI tomorrow to kind of determine the course of action that the doctors are going to take um, in dealing with this. Uh, so we want to pray that the Lord grants them comfort and peace as they go through this and, of course, for complete healing and all of that. So uh, if we could at this time, go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll remain seated for our next song. So let's pray together. Lord, we just come before you today. We thank you for Miss Connie and uh, Brother Doyle. Lord, thank you for just bringing them to our church and uh, the blessing they have been. Lord, I do pray for them as they uh, go down through uh, this trial, this journey together. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, you would uh, bring complete and total healing in Connie's life. Uh, Lord, I pray that the cancer would disappear and that you would remove it. But Lord, I also ask for wisdom as they go through the uh, figuring out what course of action they should take. I pray, Lord, that you would grant the doctor's wisdom as they uh, do these different tests and figure out what the best uh, thing they should be doing. Uh, Lord, I do pray also that you would uh, help them to uh, have peace and comfort during this time. Help them to trust you. I pray, Lord, this would strengthen their relationship with you and with each other. I pray, Lord, that they would uh, grow closer together as a married couple during this time. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help our church family to reach out to them and to be there for them and to be an encouragement and a blessing and on our knees in the, on their behalf. Lord, I pray that uh, you would be honored and glorified through this particular situation. And uh, we just commit it into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, please remain seated as we sing our next song, Like a River Glorious. And if you'll notice, it goes along with our uh, theme verse for the month of August. Stayed upon Jehovah is part of the chorus. And uh, that's where our, uh, our minds and uh, brains should be focused on as we go through difficult trials in situations like what Connie's going through. 
and uh, maybe what you're going through in your life stayed upon Jehovah. And so Brother Randy's going to come and lead us, and the words will be on the screen. Like a river glorious, page 402. this time we're going to have a special uh, by our ladies, and I'm thankful for each of them and their willingness to minister to the Lord and to us in this way. So ladies, you come at this time, and we'll enjoy this special. Thank you. 
That was a tremendous encouragement to me. I appreciate that. Galatians chapter 5 is where we'll be this morning. Uh, just to start with, we'll be kind of all over the place in the Bible, but uh, we'll start in Galatians chapter number 5 as we continue our series through the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, once you find that, or uh, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll read verses 22 through verse 23. Hopefully we'll have this kind of in our memory banks and and memorized by the end of this series. Uh, But the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and what we're going to talk about today is this third one, peace, but also long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such There is no law. Our Lord, we're grateful for what we've already uh, experienced here in the service. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that have ministered to our hearts. And Lord, hopefully have blessed you as well. And Lord, now as we come to your word and uh, look at this time uh, together, I I pray, Lord, that you would use this message uh, first and foremost, Lord, to bring you glory. And then, Lord, I pray it will also bring about spiritual growth in the believers here today. I also pray, Lord, that you would use this message to uh, encourage those who are lost to come to Christ. And, Lord, I ask that you would, again, help us to be good hearers of the word, but then help us to be good doers of the word. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So a few weeks ago, we began a series through the fruit of the Spirit, and so far we've seen the importance of abiding in Christ and walking daily in the Spirit in order for Him to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And then we began studying each part of the fruit of the Spirit. We started first, of course, with love, and then we last time we I was here, we looked at Uh, joy. And then now today we're going to look at the pursuit of peace. As I was preparing this message, I came across this uh, mind-blowing statistic. A group of academics and historians have compiled this startling information. Since 3600 BC, so that's almost all of human history. So since 3600 BC, the world has only known 292 years of peace. Only 292 years from now, 
uh, all the way since uh, 3600 BC. That is a mind-blowing statistic that only not even 300 years of that amount of time were uh, world peace. Uh, so that means that since then, almost 99.5% of history has seen some type of war and some type of conflict. During this period, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small, in which 3.64 billion people have been killed in all of these wars. A mind-blowing statistic for sure. Peace. World peace, peace of mind, and inner peace have all been longed for since the beginning of time. People turn to all kinds of things that promise peace, but sadly they come woefully short to providing the peace that everybody desires. There's no question that we live in an intensely stressful world and time. According to the American Institute of Stress in 2014, so just six years ago, 77% of the people they surveyed regularly experienced uh, physical symptoms caused by stress. Not just 77% of people said they were stressed out, but 77% of people who said they regularly experienced physical symptoms caused by stress. Stress headaches, maybe even ulcers, uh, and maybe other health-related issues. Uh, 73% regularly said that they experience psychological symptoms caused by stress. 33, so one-third of the people they surveyed said that they are living with extreme stress. Uh, 48% said that they felt their stress had increased over the past five years. Uh, And 48%, so basically one out of every two people reported lying lying awake at night due to stress. Uh, that's, that doesn't happen in our in this room, does it? <laughs> well, see, that study was published in 2014, and I'm sure that by now all of that has gone down since you know time has gotten easier and life has gotten easier, especially here in 2020, right? No, we obviously know that stress is perhaps even uh, intensified even even in this year. Now, is it possible, though, to have peace in the midst of this crazy world in which we live? Well, the answer, according to the Word of God, is a resounding yes. We can have peace in the midst of all the chaos and the panic and the problems. We can have peace because of what this book says. Now, there is only one source of true peace, and it's not found in more material possessions. It's not found in perfect health. It's not found in a perfect church, because there is, by the way, no such thing as a perfect church. It's not found in a bottle, and it's not found in pills. It's not found in a certain job situation. No, it can't be found in anything other than a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. See, only He can offer true peace that passes all understanding. Now this morning we're going to study three types of peace that the Holy Spirit produces as fruit in our life uh, through walking in the Spirit and through a relationship with God. First of all, I want to look at, first of all, eternal peace. This is peace with God. And this, by the way, is far and away the most important type of peace we could ever have. Uh, Peace with God. 
God wants to have peace with you. And God wants you to be at peace with him. Now, as we look at this, I want to share a couple thoughts regarding this. First of all, I want us to look at our rebellion. Our rebellion. And you see, way back at the very beginning of time, when God created man, Adam lived in a perfect place with perfect peace. He even had a perfect wife at one point. <laughs> now, I have the perfect wife, but you know what I mean. Uh, they were perfect at that point. But when sin entered into the world, peace went out the window. Peace was quickly replaced with fear. What did they do after they sinned? They, they were afraid and they hid themselves and, and they proceeded to play the blame game as God confronted them regarding their sin. The consequences of this rebellion have passed upon all men. And you and I were born sinners. As a result, we were born as enemies of God. You and I, as Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And Romans chapter 3 tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all to go gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. This is our condition. This is our rebellion. This is our situation. Well, praise the Lord. There's another thought here. It's not just our rebellion, but I want us to see secondly here, our Redeemer. Perhaps you have, you've heard someone ask this question, or maybe you've been asked this question. Have you made your peace with God? Well, the truth of the matter is, we can't make peace with God. Because we're sinners. There's nothing we can do to bridge that gap. There's nothing we can do to solve that problem. But praise the Lord, we didn't have to. You see, that's why Jesus came to do it for us, because we couldn't do it in ourselves. That's why he came to this earth and lived a perfect and sinless life. That's why he went to an old rugged cross where he was crucified. He was making a way for us to have peace with God. You see, he was removing the barrier that was between us and God. What was that barrier? It was sin. And I couldn't take it away myself. But praise the, praise the Lord, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who came, who takes away the sin of the world. He was the one that tore down that barrier. Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. My sin and yours. Romans 5 and verse number 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't have peace with God any other way. You cannot have peace by being a member of any type of church. You cannot, be, you cannot have peace with God through any amount of good works. No, it's only through our Lord Jesus Christ because He was the one that took away our sin. He was the one that took down that barrier between us and God. Ephesians 2 and verse 14 puts it this way. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh 
by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Praise the Lord. That's why he went to the cross. Colossians 1 and verse 20 said this, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Look, in truth, without a relationship with God, there can be no real peace. Isaiah 57 and verse 21 says, There is no peace, saith my God, unto the wicked. In his description of humanity without Christ in Romans chapter 3, Paul said that destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known. So perhaps you've seen this bumper sticker. I'll put it up on the screen here. If you know Jesus, you know peace. But if there's no Jesus, then there is no peace. So my question for all of you this morning is this. Do you know Jesus? And not do you know about Jesus, but do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Has there been a moment in your life where you placed your faith in him and him alone for your salvation? If not, then friend, try as you might, you're not going to find peace in anything else under the sun. We can only find peace in the Son of God. Isaiah 9 and verse number 6 said this, For unto, a child, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and, say it with me, the Prince of Peace. See, he is the source of our peace. And the only way we can have peace with God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the question for all of us is, have you had a time where you began that relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? If not ever, can I encourage you to make that decision today? To have peace with God starting today? You can do that. He's made it possible. And I want to encourage you to do so. So we see here, eternal peace is the first and foremost aspect of peace that God can give us. And it's not through anything we can do. It's everything that he already did for us. But then secondly, I want us to look at internal peace. This is, as many people refer to as the peace of God, or even scripture refers to, the peace of God. This is the ability to be at peace no matter what's going on around us. And uh, most of us have a lot of chaos going on around us. Certainly in our uh, culture today, in our world today, there's a lot of culture or chaos going on around us. Well, God says we can still have peace in our own hearts. I want to invite you at this time, you're in Galatians chapter 5, if you turn over to Colossians chapter 3. I want us to look at a few of these verses uh, this morning as we continue our message. Colossians chapter 3, and I want us to look at verse number 15. 
Colossians 3 and verse 15 says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. I'll kind of focus on the beginning of that verse, the first half of it, where he says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I'm going to look at, zero in on that word rule for a moment. What does that mean? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Well, rule means preside over. It means sit as an umpire there. <laughs> I'm thankful that sports are back and uh, I've enjoyed watching some baseball. Really have enjoyed watching some hockey. Did anybody watch the game last night? The Stars game. Okay, just me and my boys. We're the only ones. One day we might see revival take place in our church and have more hockey fans. We'll see. But sit as umpire there. And then it also means to govern and control you. So the question is, who is ruling over your heart? This coming election in November, our country will cast their vote for who will govern, preside, sit as umpire over our nation for the next four years. Well, friend, there's another election that happens in each of us as believers every single day. The election of what will govern our hearts. Will it be fear Anxiety, worry, or stress? Or will it be the peace of God? Both parties are vying for that position. Both parties want your vote. And they do quite a bit of campaigning, don't they? The question is, who will we vote for? Every day, over our heart. Both want both want that position, but the question is, which one will we let have that position? Paul here says to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Okay, so when fear and worry jockey for that place in your hearts, you and I have a choice to make, a vote to cast on who is going to control our hearts, to sit as umpire over, to preside over our hearts. Which one will it be? Worry, stress? Anxiety, fear, frustration, or will it be the peace of God? The peace of God should be uh, the rule in our hearts, not the rare exception as believers. Although I'm afraid it's the other way around. I think the other things, anxiety, fear, stress, and frustration, rules our hearts, and once in a blue moon would we experience the peace of God as the ruler of our hearts. That should not be the case. God says that he wants believers to have the peace of God. Okay, so we know that peace comes only from our relationship with God. And within that relationship, what practically can we do to have this internal peace, this peace of God? Three things I want to share with you that are right from the word of God here. First of all, uh, this inner peace, internal peace comes through supplication, supplication or prayer. We're in Colossians 3. If you go back a book to Philippians chapter 4, I want us to show us, I want to look at verses 6 and 7 here. 
Just a reminder for us where this peace can come from, practically speaking, in our Christian lives. Yes, it's within our relationship with Christ, but there are some things that we can do, some sources of this that we can uh, tap into. And supplication and prayer is one of those avenues whereby God promises to give us peace. Verse 6 of Philippians 4, he says, Be careful for nothing. Stop worrying about anything. God's people need to be the, the least worried people on the planet. But sometimes we're the most worried. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then here's the tremendous promise. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But notice the order here. We always want the peace of God in our hearts, but, but we can't have it without the prayer first. We need to call a spiritual timeout. I'm going to use sports as an illustration. It was on Thursday night we were watching the Dallas Stars game. It was game six, first round of the playoffs. Not that anybody cares, but me and my two boys. They were playing the Calgary Flames, and in the first period, the Dallas Stars gave up three very quick goals. And it was looking very, very, very bad for the Dallas Stars. But you know what they did after that third goal? Coach Rick, Rick, uh, Rick Bowen, yeah, that guy, the, the Stars coach called a timeout, got all of his players together and said, guys, let's play our game. And you know what? A few minutes later in the game, Calgary Flames committed a penalty. We went on the power play. We scored a goal. We won that game 7-3. to three. Pretty amazing. And I just thought about that. You know, in our own lives, when we're going through a difficult time, when things are not looking good, what we need to do is call a spiritual timeout and have a conversation with our Heavenly Father and bring our, our, our situation before Him and say, Lord, please, would you... Uh, Give me wisdom to deal with this. Would you help me to think right thoughts about this situation? And as we do, there's a peace that passes all understanding that comes into our hearts. How does that work, Pastor? I have no idea how it works. But God promises that it does. And that's enough for me. I also think of David in 1 Samuel chapter 30. We won't take the time to turn there for sake of time here, but... In 1 Samuel 30, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. He faced a multifaceted trial there. There in Ziklag, his home had been completely ransacked and his city had been burned with fire. Those in California can relate uh, right now. His family was taken from him. His men were upset, so much so that they were speaking of stoning David. And instead of being overcome with fear, worry, and getting all stressed out, the Bible says he did something. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And then he went to the Lord in prayer a couple verses later. Now, the Bible doesn't use the word peace in that passage, but you can see a definite evidence of peace in his heart as, as he goes forth into battle after his prayer time to take back what belonged to him. And, and you see, when the going got tough for David, David took a spiritual time out and, and he went to prayer and then peace came. See, prayer first, 
And then peace. The peace of God here is promised, but this promise is conditional. It's conditional upon our prayer, our supplication. So when you're going through a difficult season, and you may be going through one right now, instead of letting all the emotions overwhelm you, go to the Lord in prayer, and God promises that the peace that passes all of our understanding, that blows our mind, will come into our lives, and it will keep us. It'll keep our hearts and it'll keep our minds through Christ Jesus. So uh, how do we get this peace? Well, it comes through supplication, but it also comes, uh, secondly here, through the Scriptures. The Scriptures bring peace? Absolutely. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2. I'll just quote it for you and read it for you this morning. He says here, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments... And then verse 2 says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So the word of God brings peace into my life, yes. Especially when we're uh, not forgetting it, we're remembering God's word, when we're uh, keeping God's word. It's not just looking at it and going, okay, that's nice, and going our way. No, when we remember God's word, when we don't forget it, and when we keep it, then length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. The word of God brings peace into our hearts as we take time to look at it, to learn it, and to live it. There's another verse, Psalm 119 and verse 165. I'm going to ask you to turn there too. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 165. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. Um, All of them, with the exception of about, I think, four verses, all have to do with the Bible and our relationship with it and aspects of the Bible. But I want us to look at verse 165 of Psalm 119. And here the psalmist said, Great peace have they which love thy law and, can somebody read the next word for me? Nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thy law. So there is a relationship between the word of God and the connection of of the word of God and peace here. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Notice he he says here, great peace. Not just peace have they which love thy law, but great peace have they which love thy law. So the question is, do you love the word of God? Do you love the law of God? If you do, you're going to have great peace. And he says here, if you love the word of God, you're going to have great peace, but then also nothing shall offend them. Look, at if you're easily offended and uh, one little look or one little word or one little whatever and you're just easily offended, that is an indication that you do not have the relationship with the Word of God like you should. And the same goes for me. And I've seen this true in my own life when I'm really spending time with the Word of God. Little things don't really bother me. But then when it's been a little while and I'm not really in the Word of God like I should, my family will do something that just kind of is normally I pass over, but 
when I'm not having the relationship with the word of God like I should, these little things begin to irk me. And I begin to blow up and I'm easily offended. But great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Not just, most things don't offend them. Nothing shall offend them. So this past week, how have you been at home? Have you been easily offended? How have you been at work? How have you been here at church? Have you been easily offended? It could be that your relationship with the word of God is not what it should be. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. So we get peace through supplication, through our prayer time, and then through the scriptures, but then also through staying on the Lord. Say, what, what, what does that mean? Well, that goes back to our memory verses for the month of August. And the song we sang before the message, before the ladies came to sing. Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Look, I know it's tempting to fill our mind with everything uh, that's going on in our lives and to just focus on our problems. That's not going to bring peace in any of our lives. I'm not saying we don't need to figure out how to get through it. and We need to think on what, what we're going through, obviously. But, but if that's all we're thinking of and we're not thinking about the Lord and, and putting Him into the equation and letting Him be in this situation too, we're not going to have the peace like we should. So let's focus our minds on the Lord who promises to give us peace that passes all understanding. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on not our problems, but on the Lord. So when we stay our minds on the Lord, God promises to give us perfect peace. This peace of God that we've been talking about this morning is stronger than, when life, than what life can throw at us. Because as someone said, the peace of God is not the absence of danger. It is the presence of God. It's stronger than any situation that may come into our lives. Romans 8 and verse 28 tells us that despite how good or bad a situation may be, God is able to work all things together for good. And that verse starts with, if you know this, and we know that all things work together. And we know this. There's a peace to the believer that no matter what happens in my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, we know that God is able to make this all work together. And this gives me a peace that is stronger than any situation I may, I may face. It's also stronger than any storm that I may encounter. I read about a submarine that came into port one day crew as they were exiting the submarine was asked how they endured the horrible storm of the night before and they replied what storm you see they had been anchored so deep they never realized there had even been a storm may the lord help us all to anchor ourselves deep in the lord so that no matter what storm comes it doesn't really matter we barely even notice it jesus said in john 16 these things have i spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In, 19, or in 1555, so this is several centuries ago, 
Dr. Nicholas Ridley was sentenced to be burned at the stake in England because of his witness and testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, on the night before his execution, his brother offered to uh, remain with him in the prison chamber to be of assistance and comfort. Like, hey brother, I'm going to hang out with you and uh, be there for you in your, in your last moments before you're executed. Nicholas declined the offer saying, I intend, God willing, to go to bed and sleep as quietly tonight as I ever did. Because he knew the peace of God, he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his need in that moment. See, the peace of God is also stronger than anything society may do as well. Society might be in absolute chaos around us, but as believers, we can have true peace. This is the internal peace, the peace of God. How do we get it? Through, first of all, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, but then... In our Christian lives, we get it through supplication. We get it through uh, the scriptures and we get it through staying on the Lord. All right, thirdly, I want to talk about the third aspect, the third type of peace. And this is external peace. This is peace with others. In one Peanuts cartoon, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. Charlie says, but I thought you had inner peace. Lucy replies, I do have inner peace, but I have outer obnoxiousness. Well, Lucy, uh, I have news for you. If we do indeed have internal peace, the peace of God ruling in our hearts, then it will show outwardly as well. We will want to work at external peace. Peace with others. If you could at this time turn to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. God desires that his people would be at peace with one another. There's no getting around that. There are several references I'm about to share with you, starting with this one. Romans 12 and verse number 18. Here's Paul's practical, practical instruction to the church at Rome. And he said in verse number 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. This means with all those at home. This includes our spouse. This includes our parents. This includes our children. This includes our siblings. We are to live peaceably with all men, with those that we live with. But it also includes those here at church. We are to live peaceably with all men including our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. With the people in this room, we are to live peaceably with each one. It also includes our pastor. We are to live peaceably with our pastor. We'll say, I don't agree with everything our pastor does. Guess what? I don't either. But we need to live peaceably with them. 
You think you have it tough living with me? Guess what? I have to live with me 24-7. Pray for me. I have to live with me. But we are to live peaceably with all men, with those at home, with those in our church, with our neighbors, our next-door neighbors, the neighbors across our street, the neighbor that keeps doing that thing that irks us. Yes, we are to live peaceably with all men, our coworkers. Oh, not that coworker who microwaves all their stinky food and it smells up the whole office. Yes, that coworker too. We're to live peaceably with all men. He does put a couple caveats, and we better be careful not to use these as cop-outs, but he does say, if it be possible, there are some people where it is impossible, where you've tried and tried and tried to live peaceably with them, and they won't have it. So Paul says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, have you really tried Or are you just gave it one little fleece and then it didn't work out, so you haven't really tried? If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, Paul says, live peaceably with all men. Hebrews 12, 14, you don't have to turn there, but the writer Hebrews says, follow peace with all men. Romans 14, 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify one another. Ephesians 4 and verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Psalmist in Psalm 34 verse 14 said, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it which is where the title of today's message came from. Seek peace and pursue it. How do we have this external peace in our midst? Well, it requires a couple things. First of all, it requires humility. It does require humility. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. If you have contention with somebody else, I guarantee pride was the culprit. I guarantee it. Want to know why? Because the Bible says it. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. You see, we like to prove that we were right. We don't want to admit that we were wrong. And this pride is the source of so many conflicts in our lives. James chapter 4 and verse 1, James writing to believers, not to those outside the room. But if he was writing the book, it would have been directed to the, room, the people in the room today. James 4, 1, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? In other words, pride is the source of so many conflicts. And if you have a conflict with somebody else in your life, I guarantee you can trace it back to pride. And the way to fix it, part of it is humility, is humbling yourself. So it requires humility and it also requires forgiveness. 
Look, the truth of the matter is, no one is going to go through this life without being wronged. No one will make it through without being mistreated. No one. And while we cannot control everything that people do to us, we do have control over how we respond to those things. Will we hold grudges? Will we become bitter? Or will we respond like Jesus did? How did he respond? Luke chapter 23 records as Jesus was there on the cross, and most of you know that there were seven things that he said while he was there on the cross of Calvary. You want to know what the first thing that he said? The first thing that Jesus said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The first saying of the cross was a saying of forgiveness, emphasizing the importance of it. Peter talks a little bit more about what Jesus faced there on the cross. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he said, For even hereunto were ye called, because that Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Years ago, they used to have a bunch of bracelets that had WWJD. Does anybody remember that? What would Jesus do? Well, it's kind of taken from this particular passage. Well, the passage goes on to say, Who Jesus did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. He when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who, in his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Jesus, when he was reviled, he could have reviled back. Had he done that, these people would have been incinerated. But instead, Jesus chose not to revile. When he suffered, he chose not to threaten back, though he could have. Because if anybody was mistreated, it was legitimately Jesus Christ. Say, oh, I've been mistreated. And, and, and you may be, I get that. But, but the truth is, you know, none of us are 100% innocent all the time. Jesus Christ was. And so when he was reviled, he chose not to revile. He chose not to get even. The Bible says he committed himself to him that judges righteously. He said, Lord, I'm going to let you take care of this. And I would encourage some of you who have been mistreated to give it to the Lord. Let him take care of it. Because guess what? He's a lot better at taking care of it than you are. And that I am. Ephesians 4 and verse 31. The Apostle Paul, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Knock off the bitterness. Get it off of you. The wrath, that anger, that clamor, that evil speaking, put it away from you. He says, instead though, be kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God offers this forgiveness before it was ever asked for. That's the kind of forgiveness we're to offer those around us. I'll share a story with you about a lady by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. 
Her, Corey and her family resisted the Nazis by hiding Jews in their home. Some of you know her story. Well, they were ultimately found out and sent to a concentration camp to be tortured. Corey barely survived this concentration camp and, and, uh, until the end of the war. Her family members, unfortunately, died in captivity. Well, seared by this terrible trial by fire, Corey's faith in God also survived, and she spent much of her time in the post-war years traveling in Germany and elsewhere in Europe, sharing her faith in Christ. But on one occasion in 1947, while speaking in a church in Munich, she noticed a balding man. No, it was not me. Uh, but she noticed a balding man in a gray overcoat near the rear of the basement room. She had been speaking on the subject of God's forgiveness, but her heart froze within her as she happened to recognize who this man was. She could picture him as she had seen him so many times before in his blue Nazi uniform with the visored cap. The cruelest of the guards at the Ravensbrück camp where Corey had suffered the most horrible indignities and where her own sister had died. And yet, here he was. At the end of her talk, coming up the aisle toward her with his hand thrust out. Thank you for your fine message, he said. How wonderful it is to know that all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. Yes, Corey had said that in her speech. She had spoken so easily of God's forgiveness, but here was a man whom she despised and condemned with every fiber of her being. She couldn't take his hand. She couldn't extend forgiveness to this Nazi oppressor. She realized that this man didn't remember her. I mean, how could he remember one prisoner among the thousands? You mentioned Ravensbrook, the man continued, his hand still extended. I was a guard there. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. But since then, I've come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It has been hard for me to forgive myself for all the cruel things I did, but I know that God has forgiven me. And please, if you would... I would like to hear from your lips, too, that, that God has forgiven me. And Corey re recorded her response in her book, The Hiding Place. She said, I, I stood there. I, who sins had again and again been forgiven from the Lord, and, and now I could not forgive this man. Could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still, I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did... An incredible thing took place. She said the current started in my shoulder, raced down my arms and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner, 
I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. What a picture of forgiveness. Who do you need to shake hands with today? Who do you need to extend a hand to? Who do you need to forgive? Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody in this room. Who is it that you need to forgive? As much as lieth in you is, live peaceably with all men. External peace for the believer, it's not a nicety. It's not a suggestion. It's really a command of our God. Jesus said in Mark 9 and verse 50, Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith you season it, have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. I want to end with one more verse, and we'll be done for the morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul wrote to the Corinthians two times, at least two times that we know of. Uh, I think there was a third time that's not recorded in Scripture. But as he ends his letter to the church at Corinth, he ends it in a very interesting way, and especially interesting considering what we've been talking about this morning. He ends the letter in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 13 with this. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Now, he's not saying never sin again. What he's really insinuating here is fix the things that I've written to you about. I've written to you about a litany of all kinds of things that your church was dysfunctional in. Fix those things. Be perfect in those areas. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. And then he says, live in peace. And then he gives them promise. The God of love and peace shall be with you. Okay, Paul, who, what were you insinuating here when you said live in peace? Were you talking about eternal peace, peace with God? Were you talking about living with internal peace? Or were you talking about external peace? And Paul would answer, yes. I was talking about all of those. And this, this morning as we close this message... I'm talking about all of those too. I want to encourage you to uh, go this way, go our way this, this morning and go home and this week and throughout our lives to live in peace. Pastor, do you mean eternal peace, peace with God? Yes, I do. If you're here and you don't have peace with God, please, today, you can find peace through Jesus Christ, a relationship with Him. He's done everything he's needed to do to make a way for you to have a relationship with him. The ball is in your court. Will you come to Jesus today and be saved and have peace with God? Say, Pastor, are you talking about us going and living with internal peace to be able to handle what goes on in our lives that's difficult and chaotic? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And remember, that comes through supplication. That comes through spending time in the Scriptures. That comes through keeping our minds stayed on the Lord instead of just our problems. Are you telling us that we should go and live with external peace, having peace with others? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Again, as I prayed at the beginning of this message, 
Lord, help us not to be just good hearers. And you have been good hearers today. I hope you have. But Lord, help us to be good doers of the word. The real message starts now. What are we going to do with what we heard? Are we going to just let it go in one ear and out the other? Or are we going to let it change our lives? God's word is meant to change our lives. Not for us to just look at the mirror and say, oh yeah, a bunch of things need to be changed, but I'm just going to go away not changing anything. This is an opportunity for the word of God to change all of our lives, mine included. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house today. Thank you for making a way for us to have peace with you. Thank you for sending your son to die on an old rugged cross, for shedding his blood and breaking down that middle wall of partition so that we can have a relationship with God. Thank you for making a way of peace for us. And Lord, if there's one here today that does not know that peace, I pray that today they would come to Jesus and be saved and have peace with God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have inner peace and to not uh, be governed by fear and worry, but to let the peace of God rule in all of our hearts. And then, Lord, I pray you'd help us to live with external peace, peace with others, to live peaceably with all men. Help us, Lord. Give us courage. Give us humility. Help us to forgive where we need to. And Lord, I ask that uh, you would uh, do a good and great work as a result of this time together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue our service and we'll wrap it up here in just a moment. But we're going to sing, I just keep trusting my Lord as he gives a song or as I walk along, and then he gives a song. So uh, we'll, sing, uh, we'll sing this one time through, and then we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Thank you very much for being here today. And uh, for a couple of the guests, I think we have a couple of guests back there. Thank you all for being in the house today. Uh, we're really blessed and uh, honored that you'd worship the Lord with us today. Thank you very much for being here. Um, Brother Scott.
Uh, Stino, would you uh, dismiss us in a word of prayer?